This podcast is brought to you by Fandango. Fandango offers movie tickets and gift cards to over 45,000 different screens across the United States and reaches into nearly 80% of the nation's total theaters. By partnering with virtually every leading film exhibitor like Regal, Cinemark, AMC, and more. So to pick up some movie tickets or a gift card for the movie fan in your life, head on over to cityweekly.com slash Fandango or click the support us link in the show notes for this episode. Hello, uh, this is Sylvester McCoy. Uh, you're listening to Who Made Who and uh, Me Made Me. And uh, my mother and father did the same. You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. Who podcast? It is Anthony Lewis and Ben Knight, and we are back to talk Doctor Who series twelve. It's been a year, and uh, Ben, would you like to sing us in? <laughs> I I just thought for sure that you'd break into Adele's Skyfall, but just with Spyfall I, instead. But I was I was going to do Skyfall. It, but with Spyfall, but in a South Yorkshire accent, and I thought, you know, that's just a lot to commit to at short notice. <laughs> that's, that's an um, awful lot to dive right into. It is, and I thought that's kind of a niche audience. <laughs> yes. Um, and then I was going to make some reference to the fact that a sandwich made using a um, small roll or baguette in that part of the country is referred to as a bread cake. Bread cake. <laughs> Do you have cheese bread cake? And then, you know, just toss that grenade over my shoulder. A bread cake, you say? None of it. Yes, a bread cake. As opposed to a barn cake, or a bomb, or a roll, or a bab. <laughs> All the same thing, folks. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, Doctor Who Series 12, Episode 1, Spyfall, Part 1. I have no idea what this is really in relation to. It's Oh, oh it's James Bond, of, of course. Oh, I get it, yeah. I get it. Very clever. Um, so we start with, uh, the doctor, Yaz, Graham, Ryan, they are all living their life when they are called into MI6 by sea. Are they, Ben, you're British. Mm. I'm sure you know some people in MI6. Do they all go by letters? I could could tell you, but I'd have to kill you. (laughs) Uh, they, they may or may not go by letters. Okay. Well, that'd be unfortunate to be called C, wouldn't it? It would. Old D would be bad as well. Oh, uh, who's called you in? Big D. Yes. I mean, that's gotta be that's chilling, isn't it? Uh, anyway, no, I'm not going any further into this. Yeah. According to this pop-up window on Wikipedia, it is the chief of the secret intelligence service. Yes. Uh, they've been called One in. One of them. They've been called in to investigate some mysterious deaths. These deaths, of course, are MI6 agents who were killed by some sort of wall-passing-through light beings of some kind. 
Um, their only lead in this case is a man named Daniel Barton, the CEO of a media company called Vor. Uh, the doctor contacts a friend of hers, Agent O, who is tasked with monitoring extraterrestrial activities. C, meanwhile, is killed by these aliens. The doctor and her companions escape. Uh, then they split up, of course. Yaz and Ryan uh, go undercover to investigate Barton, uh, whom, in their interview with him, extends an invitation to his birthday party. Uh, Graham and the Doctor, they find O in the Australian outback, uh, presumably before it was all on fire. And both groups encounter the same alien life forms. The Doctor is able to capture one of these life forms, and while sneaking into the headquarters with Ryan, Yaz is captured by an alien. The Doctor's captured alien is able to set itself free by replacing itself with Yaz. Joined by O, the four investigate Barton. Angered by his... this investigation, apparently, Barton leaves, and the Doctor and her companions pursue on motorbikes to Barton's private jet. Leaping aboard the jet, it is then revealed that... O is, in fact, the Master. Having been in control of Barton and the aliens the entire time, there is a bomb on this plane. The Master escapes. While the Doctor is captured by one of the aliens, the bomb explodes, and the companions are left on the falling plane. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, ben, yeah. what did you think of uh, Spyfall Part 1? Um, well, first thing to say about it is this is the first episode that is truly um, Jodie Whittaker's. Uh, that is to say, it's not a repurposed, retooled episode um, belonging to uh, a former script from somewhere else, which yeah. is what we've been waiting for. So mm -hmm. this was the opportunity for Jodie Whittaker to, to show us who she is as the Doctor mm -hmm. and not to be buried underneath performances of other people who obviously didn't come with the baggage for example, as I said endlessly last time, the surprising performance by Bradley Walsh um, I liked this I thought mm -hmm. Jodie Whittaker was far more um, uh, enjoyable in the role I still, to be clear, find her a little bit too constantly frightened of everything which, a little but of weird. course it is yeah, it just seems a bit out of character for, for the Doctor. I mean, the Doctor does go through phases of being like that in different incarnations, but I think maybe the writing will grow into that a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, the the nice thing about the show in the UK is that, obviously, every every actor who hasn't yet been in Doctor Who, um, which I think there's, there's at least six left, yes. Uh, yes. eventually will be in Doctor Who. Daniel Radcliffe and... has not been in an episode yet. Yet, I mean, TikTok. Uh, the interesting thing was, um, I mean, Stephen Fry, uh, I could have sworn had been in Doctor Who before, but I don't know. I know Hugh Laurie was when they were comedy partners back in the day, but I can't quite play Stephen Fry in the I find it hard to believe that Stephen Fry has not appeared in an episode of Doctor Who yet. Well, especially as Hugh Laurie has, and it was during the time when they were inseparable on television, so yeah. mm, a bit odd. Um, but now, I don't know whether American listeners know who Lenny Henry is or um, Sir Lenny Henry, in fact, now, no less, mm -hmm. uh, unless I'm mistaken. Lenny Henry is the man, um, in terms of television and the sort of he was Barton, popularity right? of it, he yes. was Barton. He is um, the face of, and has been since year one, of Comic Relief, 
he is the ex-husband of Dawn French, off of French and Saunders fame, or Vicar of Dibley fame, if you prefer. Um, he is an alternative stand-up uh, who, was, in terms of his stand-up, was its peak in the 80s. Um, and he is one of the most interesting men in show business. And it, this, uh, last year, I think, sorry, he brought out the first volume of his autobiography. And I would, if you've got an audible credit kicking around or whatever, even if you've never heard of this man before, go and get his book. It is a fascinating insight into a very interesting man. Um, anyway, slight tangent. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of the show, well, they're throwing a lot of stuff out there, aren't they? Um, oh, uh, Sasha Dawan, who is having the year of career uh, in the last six months and looking forward into the next six months, he is in mm-hmm. everything. He is the male Olivia Coleman. Um, yeah, he, he's in the the Dracula show that we were talking about. He is, uh, he is we indeed. Recorded. Yeah, uh, he's, he's probably everywhere at the moment. Um, he plays, oh, well... A, he's a, is it a is it a bum steer? He's Agent O, but only because that's his assigned or designated um, uh, name within uh, MI6. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could be a deliberate bum steer because well, we now know who he is. He's the master. Yes. But it's that line at the end, isn't it? When he says to the Doctor that everything you know is a lie. Mm-hmm. Well, then people are saying, wait, wait, wait. Who's O again? Who's the master again? Mm-hmm. Now, we've seen references in this episode to multiverses, the, the map that splits up into the... can't remember how many there were. Was it eight different um, world maps? Yeah. We've seen um, uh, some interesting aesthetic choices in the reboot of the title sequence, which are... Um, they look like a corruption of, of Gallifreyan designs, which I thought was interesting. Um if we are talking multiverse, then we may see a return here to a very old throwback in Doctor Who canon to Omega. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, or, or the other, of course, to go back to the same story. For those who don't remember, oh, short-ish version <laughs> is... And this is really my best. And Rassilon, sorry, it's the, the, the third of them. Um, right back in the beginning of um, the the history of everything um the time lords were created and they were created uh, as far as we know by omega um there were three actors within the creation of um effectively the time lords uh they were um omega uh, rassilon who we've most recently seen portrayed by timothy dalton I yes think it was, wasn't it yes. yeah um and uh, the other, a uh, bit of a split in canon here, the other might refer to a completely different entity, or the other might refer to the Doctor, uh, which would perhaps explain some of the differences between the Doctor and other Time Lords. Um, we know as well from more recent reboot stuff that there was a lot of trauma in the way that these Time Lords were brought up, and that there was something that went particularly wrong with one of them, i.e. the one who became the Master, Um and the memories of all of these things were all a bit fuzzy. It could be this is a complete bum steer. We are effectively watching Chibnall um, doing a Moffat and saying, oh, look, I'm dropping you all of these hints. But it's just, it it would be very strange to suddenly say, oh, here's the Master again. That's fun, isn't it? Even though we literally know the Master's dead. To do an alternative universe Master story isn't particularly, you know, odd for Doctor Who. Sure. Just seems like a really odd choice when they're so keen to press the reset button a bit mm-hmm. to immediately jump back to literally the, the most recent Big Bad. 
Um, I wonder if what Chibnall is doing is putting an early chip in here for his credentials and saying, no, 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 no. You all think you understand the Doctor and the Master and the Time Lords. Let me explain where this all began. I desperately hope that instead of being just a an alternate un to, uh, universe story, um, I desperately hope this is the proper origin story that we never really got with uh, Omega and Rassilon, because it gives an opportunity to explain a lot about the Doctor. Mm -hmm. It gives an opportunity to um, revive, should we wish to, certain parts of the universe. It gives a fantastic opportunity for thoroughly absurd cameos, obviously, mm -hmm. um, which given there's been a lot of talk recently about um, a number of uh, former Doctor Who actors who are saying that they're desperately keen to come back and have been repeatedly trying to get the attention of Chris Chibnall, uh, the most <laughs> recent being um, Sophie Aldred, if, I don't know if anybody saw that. Um, if not, perhaps come back to it. But uh, I do wonder whether this is Chibnall absolutely about to play a blinder. Um mm -hmm. Which naturally, of course, means it isn't, and it won't be. And it's it's just a lot of fun with Lenny Henry, Stephen Fry, and um, Sasha Darwin. Yeah. I mean, you know, possibly. But um, how good is Lenny Henry at Sinister, given that the man is a comedian? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I well, see, I didn't even know he was a comedian, so uh, mm. I, I wasn't even uh, looking at it from, from that particular lens. But, mm. yeah, I thought he was... Uh, I thought he was great in this episode. Uh, as you noted, I I really liked, again, as you noted, uh, Sasha, the master. Uh, yeah. I really loved the... Because he was kind of slyly playing a little quirky as O. Mm -hmm. But then when he's just like, I'm the master, and then he just dropped it and just became a absolute over-the-top villain. Uh, he's from Stockport. He's from just up the road from me. They're all like that in Stockport. <laughs> just that's just how they are. He wasn't yeah. acting, is what you're saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I remember him. He was uh, uh, Davos in uh, Iron Fist on on Netflix. Marvel's Iron Fist. He was in that for 15 episodes. Um, uh, of, he was uh, not his only Doctor Who appearance. He well, sort of adjacent. He was in an Adventure in Space and Time. I remember that as well. Um, he was. He was in Being Human. Um... Oh, he's in Line of Duty, if anyone <coughs> watched that. Yeah, when I went and looked um, at his stuff... like it's, Oh, he was in No Offense, and sorry, the, sorry to go across it, the reason I mentioned No Offense is when he was in that, um, his character in that, it's in series one, and if, again, if you haven't seen No Offense, you should go back and watch it. It's a Paul Abbott series, uh, and it, it's just superb. Um, but in that, you get quite a nice little taste of the more sinister side of, of his abilities as an actor. Mm -hmm. um, very good in that episode. Can't believe how much time has passed. I'm sitting here looking at Adventure in Space and Time, and that came out in 2013. Yeah. Holy cow! It's scary, isn't it? Doesn't feel that long ago at all. Anyway, uh, I I really enjoyed the episode. Uh, it it felt like I'm trying to think of the best way to describe this. Like like Doctor Who comfort food. Mm. Like this felt very much like how the f her first series went. Uh, I thought it was okay. It was good at times as well, but it 
not without its things. And I think we were constantly talking about how it just sort of felt a little wonky. Uh, it was all recycled, wasn't it? That was the problem. Yeah. And this kind of just felt more like, okay, now I feel like they know what they're doing. This really felt like Doctor Who to me. Um, not that it, not to say that like the previous season didn't, because I know that a lot of people were kind of using that as an argument to say the a woman shouldn't be Doctor. It doesn't feel like Doctor Who to me. But like I was feeling from more of a construction standpoint of like how the episodes themselves kind of felt and it felt like they were trying to do something a little different but it I don't know it just it wasn't quite clicking and uh this episode just felt like everything clicked for me uh and I really enjoyed it and yeah I uh the doctor being kind of scared of things a little bit is a little weird. I I am a... I mean, my favorite trait of her right now is how she's absolutely certain of something and then immediately backtracks on it. Like, yeah. uh, I made this. It's soup, I think. Uh, you know, something along those lines where it's... Uh, she feels kind of uncertain, a little manic. Uh, I think last season you kind of... I think you were talking about how she felt more like um, a character in like a small children's television show or something along those lines, but it doesn't quite feel like that. It feels like they've sort of evened it out a little bit more. Yeah. And they, they played um, a little bit less safe with her appearance and stuff now as well. So Mm -hmm. um, I've noticed they've made, because in the first season she was, she constantly looked like she'd just had the stylist, on set immediately and i know obviously she would have done uh, but like like cleaning mm-hmm. and polishing everything everything was so spotless and pristine at all moments and i think yes a little bit less of that which is kind of weird given that this episode sees her wearing a beautifully um adapted uh black tie get up mm-hmm. uh, towards the end which is is just marvelous to look at mm-hmm. um but yeah they just they just let things get a little bit more casual with her i think it all has the feeling of relaxing into the role, um, yeah. and it's I I approve of that. Have Have you given thought? I mean, there there is an obvious answer to the question as to who, because um, obviously there are two problems in this series in this episode already. Mm-hmm. One is that the master is whoever the master is, maybe the master, maybe not be. The other issue is that the the bad guys, the alien bad guys in this, um, there is a fairly obvious answer to who they are because mm. um, all of the clues are there but have you it, a lot of it depends how good your who memory is as to whether you've figured out who they are any idea no my who memory is not good uh, you've got to go a long way back for to so be fair, as in 1960s who uh, my then my who memory is practically non-existent in that regard but um as it relates to the master uh like I've I've seen people theorize that they could be doing like an alternate universe master. Mm. Although I th- I would like to believe that even though this is Doctor Who and they can totally go that kind of convoluted route because it's this show and they can get mm. away with it. I feel like they're uh, I think they're going to kind of just go with this is just the master from this universe and it's before Missy and it's probably before any of the other versions we've seen in the recent incarnation of Doctor Who. 
maybe before uh, old man scientist master that we meet with. Um, is it David Tennant that we meet? I think it is. Yeah. Um, uh, during Tennant's run. Uh, it might even be before that, or it might be in between those, or um, somewhere in there. But yeah, I like the first thing that people were saying was like, oh, this undercuts like what they did with, with Missy's character. And I'm like, well, it does if you think about Doctor Who is doing stuff in a linear fashion. Like, that, this show doesn't mm. do that. Uh, this show is very non-linear, and it's almost certain that this is an incarnation of the Master from before Missy, but it, hard to say. I mean, this could be the first incarnation of the Master for all we know. I don't know, but... Mm -hmm. That's uh, a good point, yeah. Or, you know, there was the first incarnation of the Master, obviously, in the original shows, but that may not have been the first incarnation. Well, I think uh, we definitely know that he wasn't, don't we, from, from yeah. recollection? Yeah, so um, that it could be it could be almost <coughs> anything. Which, the same might be true of the, the aliens, because, mm -hmm. okay, so what we do know about pre-Series uh, 12 leaks is that we know, and it's this is no spoilers, it's very publicly announced, is that the Cybermen are back. Yes, and so it's very trailers. tempting to Yeah, and so it's very tempting, particularly for the uninitiated, to look at the um, sort of white ghosty form, which of course Army of Ghosts, Cybermen decided to use, to look at the shape of that head in the silhouette here and go, oh, that's a bit Cybermen-y, and so on and everything else. But until you remember a couple of things. One is they take this form to mock us, apparently, so there's a bit of a bum steer there but then who knows yeah the thing is though the company uh, that lenny henry's character owns is called vore vore yes now, it could be it could be a cross franchise thing and we're about to get the bad guys from quake uh taking over <laughs> seems unlikely <laughs> unlikely quite a stretch um oh can you imagine if there were a shambler anyway uh more likely i suspect is that this is the vord v-o-o-r-d i presume um in which case, cast your mind back, dear listener, if you can, to the mid-60s, um, to an episode called The Keys of Marinus. Uh, the Keys of Marinus um, featured these guys. Uh, they had a, uh, um, a leader called Yartek, uh, who was uh, effectively trying to seize control of a supercomputer that controlled people's minds. That is almost all of the things I remember about them. Um, <laughs> now... I do remember that they were completely destroyed, uh, possibly by accident, by Ian Chesterton, um, who was the Doctor's companion back in day. Um, so eh, they have a very similar shaped head. Uh, if you Google Vord uh, and images search, you will see what they look like. But here's the thing. People are going, well, it could be one or the other. It might be both because um, there's a number of little peppered in references here. To and this is a proper who deep dive, but fortunately it's to the days when I was um, like a proper full-on who nerd, yes. um, and used to have all the comic books and everything else. This was in the late eighties, and I even had to go back. I will confess I had to go back and Google it because there was talk about Planet Fourteen and Marinus and everything else. Um, that's been referenced in the Doctor Falls. They were talking about Planet Fourteen and Marinus um, in the comic books in the late 80s there was a, and I do not remember why or, or what the point of it was but the suggestion was that the Cybermen effectively evolved from the Vord mm -hmm. the Vord 
were looking effectively for a um, a corporeal or, or different type of corporeal form, they I think the suggestion was they were interdimensional or possibly sort of energy based type creatures, yes. and they took on the Cybermen form. They didn't say to mock um, humanity, but that would perhaps be on point given what they've said this time. So there is a very real chance, and, and again, this doesn't square the circle of the Master and Amiga and all of that, but mm -hmm. it may well be the case that what we're seeing here is the origin story, maybe not just of the Master, um, but we might be seeing the origin story of the Cybermen, mm -hmm. and we might be seeing how the Vord turned into them. It would also explain, um, perhaps, why the espionage thing. I wondered, perhaps, whether they were looking for the Doctor, because it is the Doctor and humanity who they would blame for, even if they knew nothing about what happened later with Cybermen, it would be the Doctor and humanity that they were looking for um, revenge against for effectively wiping them out as a species um, uh, in the on, uh, on Marinus. So I know this is a much older and deeper dive than we're used to since the 2005 reboot yes. um, uh, thing. But They do it's... look very similar, by the way. Yeah, I, the I Vord just, and the creatures in this episode. Yeah, if you piece these bits together, um, there's got to be. I think there's enough there to say there is a damn good chance that those are the people controlling um, or being controlled by Daniel Barton. Take your pick. Mm. Um, not sure which of those at this moment. Probably controlling him. I think. Um, yes. I think the storylines between the Master and them, and so on, I think they might be unconnected. Um, or at least not as as thoroughly connected as uh, as they appear to be. Yes. I wonder if interdimensional master, if that is what he is, has used the interdimensional technologies of the Vord to get himself into this universe. Mm. That would be my punt. I mean, yeah, I heard people saying like maybe that that master had killed the Doctor in mm. his universe. Maybe he's on some well, sort of like very lonely then. Maybe is yeah. Maybe he's sort of on some sort of insane quest mm. to uh, to hunt all doctors down in all universes. Mm. Could be in a which very... case he'd find a natural ally with the Vord, wouldn't he? Yeah, it seems like a very master plan <laughs> to have. <laughs> he, he doesn't think small. The master usually it's usually some bizarre bizarre scheme. So that could yeah. fit. Uh, I mean. You know, I'm I'm curious to find out where it all leads. We're we're really close to the second episode, as it turns out. Uh, where I'm where I'm currently sat, I'm thirty minutes, twenty nine minutes away from the next episode. In fact, yeah, uh, it's weird that they're so close together. I mean, originally, I think we were all thinking January first will be the New Year's special, and then they'll announce the season. And then at some point, they're like, "No, January first is the beginning of the season." And not yeah, only is the first episode exactly. on the first, but the next episode is four days after that. So it is weird. I, I, the BBC made a very odd decision when they took away the at least since two thousand five Christmas tradition of Doctor Who on Christmas Day. I yeah. still don't get it. I'm not I, as angry as I was about it a couple of years ago, but I still don't get it. I don't know what they did. Uh, I don't know what they did for you on the BBC. Probably not what they did here in America for BBC America. I presume because BBC is a full-fledged major network in the UK that they did not do this for 24 hours. But here, uh, on Christmas Day, on BBC America, they just aired Doctor Who Christmas specials all day. 
um, which was nice because like yeah. that's a that was for a short time at least in our house for a short time a Christmas tradition uh, yeah. which you know it's been a thing for long enough for it to be a thing yeah. yeah 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 and they just got rid of it on us this whole New yeah, Year's I mean, this I... New Year's thing is not as uh, I mean they couldn't they couldn't do it here because they would have been said have had to go over the Queen's speech um, which was pointless and um, I'm sure it was very important it was terrible and very very short because it's not as if she had a great deal to say she could have you know done it from a pizza express in a small town in the south stuff um, on her face she, she just looks at the camera and goes happy Christmas and then that's it she got she is not it is it's not that unusual she could have had Prince Andrew present it in her place I mean oh my goodness you know, lots of options available sure to her. those are all viable. It could have thrown him in at the last minute. He wouldn't have been nervous, and even if he had been, you wouldn't know able to tell because he can't sweat. He just he just bops in. Hey guys, remember me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. just right at the end. Um, he may turn up as a bad guy in Doctor Who. Fantasy. <laughs> don't, don't know. I mean, hey, uh, that would work. Uh, he would he would work. I think. <laughs> John Burko did the alternative Christmas message this year on Channel Four. Yeah. So every year, at the same time as the Queen's um, broadcast goes out, Channel 4 picks an alternative um, person who is more relevant culturally, usually. <laughs> uh, and Although one year it was Sharon Osbourne, so I'm not sure that's true. Um, and, they, uh, and they do um, their one. So yeah, it was um, John Burko. I haven't watched it. I, if he doesn't start by shouting, Oh, dare! Then there's something <laughs> yeah, very wrong. Something wrong with the world. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well... I think is a good place to end it on, Ben. Completely unrelated to the episode we were talking about. So let's swing it around real quick. Let's bring it back. What would you give episode one of series 12? Solid four. Yeah, I gave this one a four as well. Uh, which is rare because like, I hesitate to give a really good score to something that we've only seen one part of. But um, the second part looks really interesting. Looks like it takes place in a different time. Uh, yeah. which is always... It's sown so many seeds, hasn't it, the first episode? That's why I think it's worth the four. Yes, and it looks like it did okay. Uh, the At least the overnight ratings mm-hmm. uh, for the episode show that it did almost five million, which was like the second most watched thing on January second 1st. Two. Yeah, that's not bad. I don't know what it was. I don't know what was first, but um, uh, it, was second, it was second most yeah. watched, and uh, the the AI score was an 82, which I believe that's is pretty, good. Yeah, that's pretty solid. 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's pretty early dual score, but yeah, that's pretty solid. A seven seven and uh, a half average score on Rotten Tomatoes. That's pretty good, yeah. UK Press, four stars from Radio Times, The Guardian, The Independent, The Right Wing, um, What Is A Woman Doing Being The Doctor, uh, Telegraph, even managed to give it three stars. So wow! Uh, the Daily Mail declined to comment, probably. Uh, <laughs> I mean, three uh, stars yeah. from The Telegraph, that's practically five for it's, them. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty good start. It's like getting a smile out of Mr. Worf. It's incredible. <laughs> or Spock, although that's become a lot easier recently, it turns out. Yes, yes it has. Uh, and c- different franchise. We got a different podcast for that, folks. Go check that one out in your in your free time, though. Don't uh, 
don't just turn this one off now. Uh, not before we have a chance to say, head on over to cinemageekly.com to check out the archives of the show. Uh, and I, and, can I depress you very quickly by telling you I had the answer to your question a minute ago? Yes. Uh, who did it come second to? Yes. <laughs> this is depressing. It came second to Emmerdale, which is a long-running soap opera mm-hmm. based, not like EastEnders, in a you know thriving community in the East End of London that's been running forever, yes. and not even Coronation Street, which is set in the fictional town of Weatherfield, which is adjacent to Manchester and it's been running forever. No, Emmerdale is set on a small farm in Yorkshire where <laughs> nothing ever happens except occasionally incest and once there was a plane crash. That was huh. the number one television program on New Year's Day in this country. Wow. I want out. I just want out. I just need to leave. <laughs> yeah, quick. <sighs> quick before they break The Telegraph said that was five stars. <laughs> <laughs> five and a half they said yeah, uh, it says it's come a long way since the lesbian kiss five stars there you go <laughs> yeah since the uh, the troubles it's the yeah. those those are the those the are the troubles in british in yeah those yeah. are the british troubles unlike the different from the irish ones but that kiss was uh that was the the troubles for them uh yeah. so yeah anyway <laughs> cinemageekly.com uh head on over there to check out the archives of this show uh, get yourself caught up on Doctor Who. We've been talking about it since the beginning of the Peter Capaldi run, so uh, head on over there. Check that out. And, of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. Just search for Who Made Who. Hit subscribe. That way you can uh, hear us come back next time and talk about more Doctor Who Series 12. It's Episode 2, and it's called Spyfall Part 2. Very clever name.